Hello, and thank you for joining me today for Bible Studies with Russ. This is season number two, study number five, Joshua chapter six, verse 22, going to the end of chapter seven, chapter seven, verse 26. As we begin here in chapter uh, six and verse 22, you remember last time uh, we began looking at how they were to uh, go into Jericho, how they were to march around the city and all those types of things. And the verse 22 uh, is picking up just as those things have taken place. We find in verse 21 uh, that the uh, they were to go to go into the city. Verse 20, that every man went to the, into the city, uh, and they took the city. Verse 20, verse 21, they, they utterly destroyed all that was in the city, both man and woman, young and old, ox and sheep and donkey, with the edge of the sword. And picking up in verse 22, but Joshua had said to the, to the two men who had spied out the country, go into the harlot's house, and from there bring out the women. And all that she has, I bring out the woman, and all that she has, as you swore to her. And the young young men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab, her father, Rahab, her father, her mother, her brothers, and all that she had. So they brought out all her relatives and left them outside the camp of Israel. And so they go in through to the word and bring out Rahab and her family, and her father's family. Verse 24 uh, says, But they burned the city, and all that was in it with fire. Only the silver and gold and the vessels of bronze and iron they put into the treasure of the house of the Lord. Now, this is going to come back more in the next chapter. If you're familiar with the book of Joshua, uh, you know we're going to talk about that more in verse in chapter 7. Uh, but they were to destroy the city and burn it all with fire. They'd destroy all. <clears throat> that would include any type of idol that he had created was to be destroyed. It's basically all to be wiped out there in verse 24. <clears throat> the only thing that was to... Uh, be spared. Verse 24 says, Only the silver and gold and the vessels of bronze and iron they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. Verse 25, And Joshua spared Rahab the harlot, her father's household, and all that she had. So she dwells in Israel to this day, because she hid the messengers from uh, whom Joshua sent to spy, out, to spy out Jericho. Then Joshua charged them at that time, saying, Curse be the man before the Lord who rises up and builds the city Jericho. He, he, he shall lay its uh, foundation with his firstborn, and with his youngest he shall set up its gates. So the Lord was with Joshua, and his fame spread throughout all the country. Uh, looking there uh, at verse 26, this idea of, of not rebuilding uh, the city here, uh, the oath was that whoever did it was going to be cursed. It was obvious that God does not wish that this city to ever be rebuilt. Uh, this is because this is because the ruins would always be a reminder of how much God hates idolatry. Rather than trying to rebuild the city of Jericho, he must obey God. If he tries to rebuild it, to rebuild, he will do it at the cost of his firstborn. At the at the cost of his youngest, will he set up the gates of the city? Meaning he'll do so, but it will cost him bloodshed. There'll be lives that will be lost to anyone who tries to rebuild uh, that city. Now, as we look here next. Uh, we're going to find, as we look at chapter uh, 7, we've commonly referred to as the sin of Achan is going to come into place here uh, in in chapter 7. As we begin, uh, there we go, begin looking at verse 1 through verse 5. And I've set these up to, to look at these between 4 and 6 verses at a time here on these slides as I try this a little bit different way here. We look at chapter 7 and verse 1. The Bible says, But the children of Israel committed a trespass regarding the cursed things. For Achan, the son of, of 
Kormai, uh, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed things. So the anger of the Lord burned against the children of Israel. Now, think about this for just a second. What we find here, first of all, we have to think about this as well, is that uh, this sin that Achan has done, you notice there in verse 1 that he, he knows exactly who it is. He's the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of, of, of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah. And so he goes right down and pinpoints exactly who it is. He, and he tells next what he did. He took of the accursed things. And uh, as a result, the anger of the Lord burned against the children, I notice, the children of Israel, not just against Achan. That is because because of his sin, they all were going to suffer if this was not made right. Uh, it was not, uh, he, no doubt, had sinned. He had trespassed. Uh, the accursed things was, was the thing that was banned for the children of Israel. This involved a part of the spoils of Jericho, which God commanded to be destroyed. Even though these things were banned, they took, uh, perhaps even stole them away. Achan is named as a guilty party, at least uh, as a part of his genealogy is given. The Lord has angered the children of Israel because of this sin. Uh, so, again, they are go- they're all going to be held accountable. Uh, they're all going to suffer unless they make it right. Um, sometimes today, as well, we have those who, when they sin uh, because of their actions, it influences others or it affects others. You know, some people today will try to act as if, well, you know, what harm does, does do, do my actions really have? Well, sin affects a lot of people. If you sin, it can affect others. And here we find in chapter 7 and verse 1, that's what's going to happen. They're all going to suffer. Uh, as we also know, uh, <clears throat> if they were to go up to AIs, we're going to talk about here in just a you know, few moments, um, they were going to lose. Because you cannot, and what we find here is you cannot be, uh, in the wrong with God and expect to be blessed. Look at verse 2. Now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is besides Beth, Beth-Avon, on the east side of Bethel. And he spoke to them, saying, Go up and spy out the country. So the men went up and spied out Ai. And they returned to Joshua and said to him, Do not let all the people go up, but let about two or three thousand men go up and attack Ai. Do not weary all the people there, for the people of Ai are few. So basically what we're saying is, look, we don't need to send everybody. Just send up a couple thousand, we can take them. Now, in battle today, probably more today, if you have a small group of people out there, you're probably going to send a gigantic army out at them. And so in a military sense, yes, that could make sense. But here really, I think what we find here is that uh, you could say a little bit of pride here by saying, let you know, don't weary everybody, just send out a couple thousand uh, but also, really, it doesn't really matter how many they sent because we're going to see that because they are out of line with God, that victory is not going to happen. Uh, verse 4, so about 3,000 men went up uh, there from the people, but they fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai struck down about 36 men, for they chased them from before the gate as far as uh, Sherebrum, and struck them down on the descent. Therefore, the hearts of the people melted and became like water. So we find here now, what happened? The people are afraid. They go up and they lose 36 men. That doesn't sound like a lot out of two or 3,000, right? The Bible says in verse 4, they sent up about 3,000, only 36, right? The idea seems to be that it was so quick and so intense that it scared them. They weren't expecting that. They were expecting to perhaps lose next to no one. And right away, Bible says there in verse uh, 4, but the people, but they fled before the men of Ai. It could be that the idea, not just that they were 
you know, the EIA was was strong, but also the people were their own people suddenly were afraid and just now they're running away. And verse five says the people uh, melted for the hearts of the people melted and it became like water. Uh, they were afraid. Now, in reality, they had no reason to be afraid unless you're not right inside of God, unless you have disobeyed God. Well, Achan has in verse one, and so therefore God is displeased with all of Israel. Uh, and so what's going to happen is they're going to have to take care of that before God brings them victory again. And this also tells us, reminds us that it wasn't the power of the people that brought the victory. It was God. It was God who brought the victory. It was God who caused the walls of Jericho to fall, not the marching or anything like that. The obedience brought that about. And here we look in Joshua 7, verses 1 through 5. Should they have won that battle? Well, they said, going back up to verse uh, 5, uh, Do not worry other people, for the people of Ai are a few. So they thought, we can take them. But when you're outsourced with God, you'll lose even the what would seem to be the smallest battle. And that's what happens. We see there in verse 4 and 5. Looking in verse 6 of Joshua 7, Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell to the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord until evening. He and the elders of Israel, and they put dust on their heads. Now, uh, verse 6 is a sign, what happens here is a sign of mourning. Joshua obviously was distraught and he tore his clothes. Uh, the others joined him and put dust on their heads. This was done when they were in great distress. Uh, these actions, along sometimes with tearing one's clothes, beating one's breast, pulling one's hair, uh, were done to indicate distress and one's deep emotions and disappointment. Also, there was recognition that God had turned against them. Uh, and so Joshua, what does he do? He falls down before the ark until evening on his face. Uh, Joshua here shows that he is, he is smart enough to realize that something's not right because God's not with us. And if God's not with us, then we have done something wrong. And he has, as he's going to point out here in just a few moments. And so what happens? He bows his face before the ark of the Lord until evening. Uh, and also uh, and also the elders are with him. So it wasn't just him alone. It wasn't just, you know, the elders didn't say, you know what, let jo- we'll let, leave Joshua alone. We'll go, you know, we'll come back later. No, they joined him because they too recognized that. Uh, this also tells you that it wasn't, you know, even though Joshua was God's chosen leader this time, the elders were right there next to him. These men who were chosen to serve with him uh, were right there next to him. They weren't going off and saying, well, let Joshua take care of it. No, they were right there. They were beside him on their knees with their face to the dirt, and they were fearful before God. Verse 7 says, And Joshua said, Alas, Lord God, why have you brought this people over the Jordan at all to deliver us in the hands of the Amorites, to destroy us? Oh, that we ha- would have... Oh, that we had been content and dwelt on the other side of the Jordan. And so he's basically saying, did you bring us on here over here just to get destroyed? Now, did Joshua really believe that? I don't think really Joshua did. And I think he's really kind of uh, kind of used to some rhetorical questions, basically saying, look, I know this is why you weren't, this is not why you brought us over. Uh, you know, if that's the case, we could have been more content in verse 8, as he says there, just to stay on the side of, of the river. Uh uh, verse me, that's verse seven. He he could have been, would have been content to stay on the side of the Jordan, and the Lord and he says verse eight, O Lord, what shall I say when Israel turns turns its back before its enemies, for the Canaanites and, and all they have into the land will hear it and surround us and cut off cut off our name from the earth, then what we do, uh, then what will will you do for your great name? <clears throat> so, verse eight and nine. Uh, he's basically saying, look, if if we lose these battles, people start coming against us, we're going to eventually get killed, 
And then what will you do to make your name great? Uh, not These aren't wrong questions to ask. Um, Joshua doesn't seem, uh, and I said before, he knows something's not right. He knows God's not with them. He doesn't yet know why God is not with them. Uh, and so he's he's asking these questions, speaking to God, you know, you know, did you bring us over just to lose? No, he knows that's really not the case. If that's the case, you know, they wouldn't be content sitting outside of the Jordan. Um, verse 8, uh, you know, what shall I say when Israel turns its back before its enemies? You know, when other people hear about it, what am I supposed to say? Uh, you know, the Lord, you're obviously not with us. Something is not right, right? And uh, so they say, he says in verse 9 that when others hear about it, they're going to come against us, they're going to kill us all. And then what will you do for your great name then when everyone has killed us? Verse 10 and following in Joshua 7. So the Lord said to Joshua, Get up, why do you lie thus on your face? Israel has sinned, and they have also transgressed my covenant which I commanded them, for they have even taken some of the accursed things, and have stolen, and have both stolen and deceived, and they also have put it among their own stuff. Verses 10 and 11. Now, the Lord knows, obviously, why Joshua was on his face. He was, he was in grief over what has happened. And really what we find here in verse 11 is basically God told him, get up and go solve the problem. Uh, he should know, uh, you know, that if I'm not with you, that there must be sin in the camp, right? And that's what we see throughout uh, the time here with the people of Israel, is that when God is not with them, it's because sin is in the camp. If we feel like God is not on our side or God is not listening to our prayers, sin might be in our life. Sin might be in our camp, and we need to purge that out. Looking there in verse 10, or excuse me, verse 11, he says, Israel has sinned. Sin is in the camp, right? That's the idea. And they have transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. For they have even taken some of the accursed things, and have both stolen and deceived, and they have also put among their own stuff. So they have uh, taken things that he says they have stolen, they have lied, they have deceived, right? And they also put among their own stuff, which means they have hid it. Verse 12, Therefore the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies. Why? Because sin was among them. But turn their backs before their enemies, because they, because they have been doomed to destruction. Neither will I be with you any more, unless you destroy the accursed from among you. There, there it is. It all comes very clear. There, there's sin in the camp. You're, he, he's not going to be with with the people of Israel. He's not going to be with Joshua either, unless he takes care of it. You know, some today would say, you know what? It's the people's problem. I didn't do it. You know, don't punish me. Well, no. Here, God says, I'm going to punish Israel, and I'm going to punish you because Joshua has the duty to deal with it. And you can rest assured this would include the elders as well. He wouldn't be with uh, the elders. He wouldn't be with Joshua. He wouldn't be with the people. He wouldn't be with none of them if sin was allowed to remain. Friends, today we have to realize that applies to us still today. We cannot expect God to be with us if if sin still remains in our lives. We have to purge it out. It may be things that we struggle with, but we have to purge it out and work to be better each and every day. And we find here in verse 12... Uh, he says that he will not stand. That, that the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies. Why? Because the Lord's not with them. They, therefore, they turn their backs before their enemies, because they have been doomed to destruction. If they try to go out and fight, they're all going to die. Is what the Lord's saying there in verse twelve. He says, "Neither will I be with you anymore unless you destroy the accursed from among you." So, what does Joshua have to do? He needs to go out, find find what who has taken these things. 
and make sure it is corrected. Verse 13, get up, sanctify the people, and say, sanctify yourselves for tomorrow, uh, because thus says the Lord God of Israel, there is an accursed thing in your midst. O Israel, you cannot stand before your enemies until you have taken away the accursed thing from among you. You know, neither will we be able to stand before God unless we remove sin from our life. They couldn't stand before their enemies, and their enemies would know certain victory over them, unless Israel moved that sin out. He says in verse 13, Get up, sanctify the people, and say, Sanctify yourselves for tomorrow, uh, because thus says the Lord God of Israel, There is an accursed thing among you. What does that mean? Get ready to repent. Make these things right. Purge it out. Remove it. Because there is an accursed thing in your midst. And he says, Therefore you cannot stand before your enemies until the, until you take away the accursed thing from among you. And I think today sometimes you can, when you read these words and when you apply them again to, uh, to us today, you can almost sometimes hear the excuses of people today. Well, I didn't do it. Or, well, we were just going to destroy it. Why can't I have it? Uh, you know, whether it's burned or I have it, what it, what's the difference? The difference is that God said, leave it alone. And God told them to do certain things. And these people were not doing it. They had stolen, as he says there back in verse 11. They had deceived and they put their, these things in, in with their own belongings. Verse 14, he says, In the morning, therefore, you shall, be brought, you shall be brought according to your tribes. And it shall be that the tribe which the Lord takes shall, shall come according to the families. And the family which the Lord takes shall come by households. And the households which the Lord takes shall come man by man. And so he's basically going to go one by one and narrow it down. And what's you think about this as well, God knows who it was, right? Chapter chapter 7, verse 1, he names him specifically. But also think about this. As these things start to happen, Achan could have stepped up any moment and say, you know what, it was me. But, you know, we see this progression. But Achan, I don't know any reason why Achan could have said, you know what, it's me. It's me. But until that happens, they're going, as he says here by verse 14, by tribe, by families, by households, and then man by man. And you know the guilty person's thinking it's just a matter of time. Because here they come. Well, there goes the families. There goes the household. And now it's man by man. And soon enough, they're coming to Achan. Verse 15, Then it shall be that he who, who is taken with the cursed thing shall be burned with fire. He and all that he has, because he has transgressed the covenant of the Lord, and because he has done a disgraceful thing in Israel. Uh, you know, the Lord, does the Lord hate sin? The Bible makes it abundantly clear. The Lord hates sin. He hates those who have disobeyed him. They have disobeyed him. They have stolen. They have lied. And now, uh, as he says here, they have done a disgraceful thing in Israel. And what was the punishment? He shall be uh, he that who is taken with the accursed thing shall be burned with fire. He and all that he has burn him and everything he owns, because he has transgressed the covenant of the Lord. He has sinned and broken God's law, and because he has done a disgraceful thing in Israel. Scary things to think about there. Verse 16, So Joshua rose early in the morning and brought Israel by their tribes, and the tribe of Judah was taken. And he brought the clan of Judah, and he took the family of the Zerahites. And he brought the family of Zerahites, man by man, and, and Zebedai was taken. 
Then he, he brought his household man by man, and Achan, the son of Camera, the son of Abdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, was taken. Now Joshua said to Achan, My son, I beg you, give, me, give glory to the Lord, God of Israel, and make confession to him, and tell me now what you have done. Do not hide it from me. And Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and this is what I have done. And he goes on here a moment to talk about that. So the Lord is true to, true to his word, and Joshua is well by carrying these things out. Tribe, family, uh, clan, and then man by man. And he says here, verse uh, verse 20, he says, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord. There's that acknowledgement. There's that confession uh, against the Lord God of Israel. And this is what I have done. Now, as you look at verse 21, the Bible says, When I saw uh, among the spoils a beautiful garment, 200 shekels of silver, and a wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and took them. And there they are, hidden in the earth, in the midst of my tent, with the silver under it. And so here Achan talks about in detail what happened. He saw a garment, he saw 200 shekels of silver, and a wedge of gold. A wedge of gold. Uh, I don't know off the top of my head what it, how much 50 shekels is, um, but a wedge of gold gives you a good indication uh, that that was a considerable amount of gold. And he took the, he coveted them, he says there in verse 21, and then he, he took them, and there they are, he says, hidden in the earth, which means he, sounds like he, he buried them somehow in, in his tent uh, with a silver under it. So Joshua sent messengers, and they ran to the tent, and there it was, hidden in his tent with a silver under it. Uh, and they took them from the midst of the tent, brought them to Joshua and to all the children of Israel, and laid them out before the Lord. Uh, so they bring everything out, saying, here's everything he has, right? So they're saying he's guilty. Look, and here's everything. Uh, now, I think as we look in verse 24, we're going to find that his, now we find his sons and daughters are brought. Uh, his his wife isn't mentioned. Some say perhaps he was a widower. Um, otherwise, she would have been brought too. Uh also, some indicate that because his sons and daughters are brought, that uh, this is an indication that they also were perhaps accomplices. Uh, maybe they didn't, they weren't there when he took it, but then went along with it after he came back and were, you know, complicit. Uh, I think it's a correct term to use. And so they are there as well. Um, verse 24 says, And Joshua and all the Israel uh, with him, then Joshua and all of Israel with him took Achan the son of Zerah, the silver, the garment, the wedge of gold, his sons and his daughters, his oxen, his sheep, his, his oxen, his donkeys, his sheep, his tent, and all that he had, and they brought them to the valley of Achor. And so they brought everything there. Again, his sons and daughters are there as well, again, implying that they also are guilty in some way, or at least accomplices with that. Um, verse 25 says, And Joshua said, why have you troubled us? The Lord will trouble you this day. Uh, the blame is placed upon Achan. He is the one who did it. Again, it seems his sons and daughters were okay with it. Um, his Everything he owns is there. His family, his sons and daughters, are there with him as well, right? Verse 25 says here uh, that Joshua tells them that, uh, ask the question, why have you troubled us? Why have you done this, basically? You know, you're the one who caused all these things to happen. It's your fault that we, we were defeated in AI and, you know, ran, ended up running away. Uh, the Lord will trouble you this day. So all Israel stoned him with stones, and they burned with fire. And they burned them with fire, and they had stoned them with stones. It indicates they burned the stone and burned him, his sons and daughters, and everything else he owned, his livestock, everything, right? 
Then they raised him over him a great heap of stones, still there to this day. So the Lord turned from the, from the fierce of his, fierceness of his anger. Therefore, the name of that, of that place has been called the Valley of Achor to this day. Now, some have said that, well, they only stoned and burned Achan. Uh, but the them there implies that their sons and do- the sons and daughters were included. Uh, again, if that is the case, it would seem to imply that they also were guilty in some way. They were accomplices uh, to what happened, or they were complicit. That is, they were okay with what he did. They approved of it. I mean, look what he came back with. A garment, uh, 200 shekels of silver. Not just any garment, a beautiful Babylonian garment. 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold. Um it seems perhaps they didn't have a problem with that. Either way, the Lord said, that's not how this is going to happen. Uh, you know, they, he brought this great victory over, over Jericho, and look what's happened now. And the Lord says, this is not going to work. This is not how you you serve me. You can't just disobey me without any repercussion. And so they died. We're going to stop there today, but let this serve as a reminder from Joshua chapter 7 how serious God takes sin, and again also, as we see throughout the Bible, the high price of sin as well.